Tet Zayin Elul, Tafshin Ayin Chet. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yoni Genut, joined by Shai Gabso off of uh, Yoni Genut's first album, Ot La Ot, that was Vieda Kol Paol, words from the liturgy that we will be saying uh, during the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur prayer services. Welcome, one and all, welcome to this week's edition of the Israel Show, where we're here each and every Monday, immediately following JMD AM, 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. is all time around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is now, that's the time we're on. I may have mentioned that my name is Mayor Weingarten, you're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network, and that's how you tune in to the Israel Show via the Nachum Siegel Network, whether it's via the great app that is available for free, iTunes, Android, either, and on that app you can listen to us live, or you can listen on demand, whenever you want, whenever you want. How many things can you have whenever you want? Well, this is one of them. You go to the archives. You can download it into your device and listen to it even when you don't have Wi-Fi. It's an amazing thing, this world that we live in of technology. What a world. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your week. We have a very interesting program coming up. A video was released last week by uh, a leader in the Labour Party, actually the chairman of the Young Leadership Division of the Labour Party in Israel. And I must say that um, it I shuddered when I read it, when I heard it, actually, I watched it. But you're going to hear it, and um, we will play the entire, it's a minute and a half. And I've subtitled it, How Much Hatred Can You Cram Into a Minute and a Half? We'll tell you about it, we'll um, translate it for you, and we'll point out to you all the different ways that it's slanted. Um, And the Trump administration is recognizing Israel's position time after time, whether it was on Jerusalem, now it's on the issue of the quote-unquote Palestinian Arab refugees. Several months ago we spoke about this, um how the UN Relief Works Organization, UNRWA, which the um, the Trump administration is cutting funding to them, and um, we, we pointed out how the whole thing is a sham. And we'll explain to you in brief why, and congratulate the Trump administration for unmasking this, and some other things as they come along. We should point out that uh, you probably know by now that yesterday we lost uh, Senator John McCain. Passed away after battling uh, cancer. He was a lifelong supporter of Israel. I mean, really, in the best possible way. He was a friend in the truest sense, back when Israel was 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 an issue that both parties agreed on very vehemently. Now, unfortunately, it has been split, where so much of the Democratic Party has now turned against Israel and the Republican Party standing staunchly by. John McCain stood by Israel. And he developed uh, a friendship, I think towards the last couple of decades of his life, with uh, Senator Joe Lieberman, Joseph Lieberman, 
an Orthodox Jew. You all know ran for uh, vice president with Al Gore. And one of the things that came out after the election where John McCain ran against uh, Barack Obama when he chose Sarah Palin to be his running mate was that he wanted to have Joe Lieberman as his vice presidential running mate, which is fascinating because he's from the other party. And he felt so strongly that Joe Lieberman is the type of person with a moral and ethical um, background and views and that Joe Lieberman represented so much of what he, even though he's a Republican and Lieberman's a Democrat, but they had so much in common that that would be such a great ticket and it probably would have been. But um, I don't know that they would have won anyway because the media was so skewed against John McCain, really more pro-Obama than anything else. Let him get away with a lot. He was a true American hero. He was um, he was shot down. His plane was shot down. He was a Navy pilot. His plane was shot down during World, uh, during the Vietnam War. He was a prisoner for five years. He was tortured terribly in uh, North Vietnam. And uh, being that both his father and his grandfather were high-ranking members in the U.S. Navy, I think they were both admirals, um, the North Vietnamese wanted to use him as a, uh, a, a, as a PR weapon, so to speak, and they offered to release him. And he said, I will only be willing to be released if everyone who was captured before me will be released as well. Meaning, I'm not ready to jump the line. And they didn't agree. And he sat in prison, I believe it was three more years, for a total of five. That That's a hero. That is a hero. So, I remember that he had a very funny little you know, monologue at one of the APAC conventions. We'll play it for you, and then we'll uh, go right into another song. Marabu Ma'asecha is a uh, new song. came out in June, and we're trying to get it into the playlist, but somehow every every time something else comes up, it's really nice. Uh, so we're debuting it. For us, it's a debut. It's uh, performed, written and performed by Ben Meir. Ben Meir, new... Uh, relatively new Israeli music star. So John McCain and then Ben Meir, listen carefully to this clip of John McCain at the APAC convention talking about his relationship with uh, Senator Lieberman and what it entailed. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're listening. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. I have spent all these years with Joe Lieberman eating salmon, riding the Shabbat elevator... Not being able to ride in a car on Saturday. I've had to go through all this all these years, and I've gotten none of the benefits, so I'm announcing my conversion to Judaism. And Joe said, that was great, only I had to have a bris. So I've changed my mind.
Thank <laughs> Yeah. 
הזדמנות לכתוב. תודה לך על כל הטוב. I don't know if this is his debut song, but it's, uh, it's really called Marabu Ma'asecha Hashem. And it goes on to talk about all the beautiful and different things in, in his life. And uh, the, he continues that sentence with Marabu Ma'asecha Elokai. How great are your actions, my Lord. Kamatovli sha'atavachayai. How good is it? that you are part of my life. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Shon Denachum Siegel Network. As we promised, we are going to share with you what I find to be one of the more disturbing videos of incitement against Israel's right wing that I have heard in a very long time. And the sad part is that it comes from a fellow Jew The chairman, no less, of the Labor Party's Young Leadership Division. Now, it's true, I'll, I'll give this to them, that the Young Leadership Division is supposed to be a little edgy. But this is more than edgy. This is just hate. The premise... is that what's he, he brand, he's branding, and this is very much of a Alinsky tactic, a Saul Alinsky tactic, he's branding his enemies by calling them the Yamin Hamitnachali, the right-wing settlers. So that doesn't mean all the right-wing, and that doesn't mean all the settlers, And in interviews that he gave afterwards, he started saying, well, it doesn't mean all of them. Well, give us examples. Well, how about this one? And then he picks like, you know, four people that are on the edges, if you will, in their, um, in their hashkafa, in their value system, the very edges of the right wing of Yehudan Shamron, surely not anywhere in the mainstream. And so he just brands everybody with this broad brush and goes back to a canard which is just unbelievable. I experienced it myself. I've told the story on the air several times. When Yitzhak Rabin was murdered by a young Jew from Herzliya, Yigal Amir, who conducted, up until that moment, I guess, an Orthodox Torah life. The left in Israel used that as a, uh, as a whip, so to speak, to whip, to chastise All of the right wing. Every, if you walked around, and I was there. I was there when it happened. If you walked around in the streets, as I did with the Kippah Shuga, you were heckled. I've told the story that on the night of the murder, I was sitting in a quiet restaurant with uh, only three tables. 
And one of the tables was a family that looked like they could be from Yudan Shamron. Doesn't say that I don't I have no clue where they live to this day. But they looked like the typical Yudan Shamron family. A father, a mother, and a daughter. And on the third I was on one table, they were on another table, and on the third table was a group of tourists and an Israeli tour guide, clearly one who's uh, left-leaning, if you will, and he heard, someone called him, that um, Yitzhak Rabin was shot. wasn't clear yet what happened. And then when he heard the news that the shooter was a Jew who wore a kippah, I don't even know if he wore a kippah, Suga, who wore a kippah, he went over to the table where the mitnachali-looking family was sitting and literally turned over the table. He grabbed the edge of the table and turned it over where everything goes flying and he screams, Atem, Ashemim, Atem, Atem. You are guilty. And that was the first time in my life that I experienced anti-Semitism in Israel from another Jew. And now they're going back to this on the Israeli left. So this video, and we'll post, of course, a link to the video on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel Show. You can see it there if you want. It doesn't have subtitles. I'm going to be reading to you from my own translation. He starts off, Pam chashavti shehem hisitu neged rabin rak there was a time that I thought that they, they, when, when I heard this on the video, the they, atem, atem, atem Hashemim, they incited against Rabin, only to prevent the return of the territories, quote-unquote. Today I understand that I was naive. I'll play the first, um, the first clip and then... Uh, will translate and uh, and review it. This is Tomer Pines in a video that he put out late last week as the chairman of the Labour Party Young Leadership. פעם חשבתי שהם הסיתו נגד רבין רק בשביל למנוע את החזרת השטחים. היום אני מבין שהייתי תמים. שלוש העיריות בגב לא היו בשביל לעצור את תהליך השלום. הן היו בשביל לחסל לחלוטין את ישראל שרבין ייצג. שם, בימין המתנחלי, הם פחדו פחד מוות מזה שנהפוך להיות מדינה נורמלית. הם פחדו מזה שתהיה כאן ישראל של שוויון אזרחי ושל כבוד הדדי. ישראל של חופש ביטוי ושל דאגה לחלש. ישראל שמתהדרת בסולידריות וערבות הדדית, לא בשנאה בפילוג. So there was a time, he writes, there was a time, he says in this video, that I thought that they incited against, incited against Rabin only to prevent the return of the territories, meaning to kill the Oslo peace process, quote-unquote peace process, which was in the midst of happening, and so many on the right felt that it was an existential threat to Israel, and Yigal Amir did the unthinkable and decided that he was going to take the law into his own hands and that if he killed 
Rabin, and later he claimed he wanted to kill Paris as well, that he would put an end to it. The three bullets shot in the back were not meant just to stop the peace process. Their purpose was the total elimination of the Israel that Rabin represented. So notice how he talks about shot in the back, because that is like usually used as a code word for betrayal. So the shots, Rabin was shot in the back, but it's, it's, he's emphasizing that. And, and now he is now ascribing a motive to the killer, to Yigal Amir, a motive that he never claims to have ever had. The total elimination of the Israel that Rabin represented. Now, I don't even know what that means, the Israel that Rabin represented. One of the last speeches that Rabin gave in the Knesset was that he would never approve a Palestinian state. What was the Israel that Rabin represented? But he knows, he knows, he's going to tell you. The right-wing settlers, the Yamin HaMitnachali, this is his... This is his moniker. This is the way he tries to taint everybody by by putting this name on, this branding. They were scared to death that Israel, by way of the peace treaty, would become a normal country. They were afraid that there would be an Israel of equality for all citizens and mutual respect, an Israel with freedom of speech and concern for the underprivileged, an Israel that prides itself in mutual responsibility and solidarity, not with hatred and division. Well, speaking of hatred and division, that's pretty, that's pretty ironic. So it's as if the people on the right and the people who support the settlements in Yehuda and Shemron, the, 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 what they call the occupation, but what we would call the building of Yehuda and Shemron, they don't want free speech. They don't want concern for underprivileged. They don't care about mutual responsibility and solidarity. It's one big lie. It's, it's a false accusation of, of the highest level. The right wing, even the most radical right wing in Yehudan Shemron, doesn't have Arvut Hadadit. They don't believe in freedom of speech. Who are the ones that are shutting up people that they don't like to hear? Who are ones that control the media and try their best not to give a voice? to the other side, if not the left. Then he goes on, and he says, oh, they're just like every other racist movement. That's what he calls them, a racist movement. Here's the next piece. Again, making up accusations. Like every racist movement, that's what he calls them. So now all of the 
people who live in Yudan Shamron are part of a racist movement. The Jewish Achim of Bennett and Shaked, Bennett always calls people Achi, so he's making fun of that. Naftali Bennett, Minister of Education, and Ayel Shaked, the Minister of Justice of the Bayit AUD, of Rabbi Levenstein, who is the uh, one of the leading rabbinim in the uh, Bnei David, Mechina Ktam Tzvait in Eili, which is an amazing organization we've spoken about many times, Rabbi Levenstein, in some of the uh, lectures that he gave, expressed himself in a way that they felt was um, anti um, what is currently PC. So Rabbi Levenstein and Smotrich, who's another Knesset member, what are they all, all these members, all these leaders of this racist movement, what do they want? They aspire to educate all of us to think like them and to live according to their way of life. That's what he claims. They have a dream. They dream of a state run according to halacha. And what does that mean? A state in which men rule and the women are considered chattel meaning a possession of the man, not an independent entity. Ha'ishahi rechush, a state where the Arabs understand where they belong. They dream of a country in which incitement against gays is cool. And if you're black... It's okay to deport you to a place where you will be killed. You know what that last piece refers to? It refers to Africans who snuck into Israel illegally and who can be sent back to either the country that they came from or another country in Africa without they're being a danger to their lives. If there is a danger to their lives, nobody talks about sending them back. And, as we've discussed here, these infiltrators from African countries have taken over a a, a chunk of southern Tel Aviv and have made the lives of the people who live there into a nightmare. You're talking about crime, rape. People are afraid to walk out of their homes. People who live in southern Tel Aviv are afraid to walk out of their homes because of gangs of Africans who infiltrated illegally into Israel and who Israel can't get rid of. And somehow... the right wing who live in Yehudan Shamron who lead this awful conspiracy it seems they are guilty of wanting to send back people to their own country where they'll be killed only because they're black 
You see how racist they are? Lie. It's a lie. It's just a lie. We should have a video that's called How the Left Can Lie. How many lies can the left tell in an hour and a half? A state where men rule and women are considered a possession of the man? Really? Women thrive in Yehudan Shamron. They show amazing creativity. They learn, they study on the highest level. They occupy all kinds of positions. What kind of... I mean, how could you even say that? And then... Let's go back to Rabin's murder. Rabin's murder paid off for the right-wing settlers. You see, there was this cabal of right-wing settlers who sat around and planned the murder of Yitzhak Rabin. This is, this is obviously not true. This is what he's envisioning and this is what he's trying to transmit to his listeners. They had this whole plan. They would kill Rabin, then they would take over the country. I'll play for you this next segment that starts with this. Uh, paid off for them. They, it, it, it was good. They, they got what they wanted. צריך לומר את האמת בפשטות. רצח רבין השתלם לימין המתנחלי. היום לא מספיק להם מפעל ההתנחלויות. היום הם רוצים לקבוע איך כולנו נחיה, מה נחשוב ואיך נתנהג. Robin's murder paid off for the right-wing settlers, and now they don't just want to expand the settlement enterprise, he says. No, no. Now they want to determine how we all live, what we should think, and how we should behave. They're taking control. They're taking over. They control the banks. They control the media. Oh, oh, that's sorry. That's something else. But it's close because listen to this next segment. They're taking over. They control everything. Here's the, and now I'm translating. They are seizing control, mishtaltim, of the education system to make our children blind and obedient citizens. They are seizing control of the justice ministry and of law enforcement to ensure that the High Court of Justice will not interfere with their wild antics on the hilltops of Judea and Samaria. I mean, I really hear it. I really hear the echoes of the Jews control everything. The Jews control the media, the Jews control the banks, the Jews control the press, the Jews control, Jews control. We have to take back our country from the Jews. But instead of the Jews, it's these right-wing settlers who are just seizing control of everything. Everything. 
I mean, he's describing a totalitarian state where right-wing settlers are running a dictatorship. What, 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 what never, never land is he living in? He's delusional. I don't know. He's sick. Maybe he needs medication. The end is pretty uh, tame. Our political challenge is enormous. We will win, but only if we fight. This is our time, meaning our on the left. This is the time of every Israeli who still dreams of being a free people in our country. This is the time to stand up and lend a hand. We will not give up. We will not surrender to the state. That we will not surrender the state to the right-wing settlers. Now, it's, it's, it's very ironic. He talks about incitement. Can't think of a more inciting video. He talks about hatred. He talks about how the right wing doesn't have respect for others, mutual responsibility. He talks about not having division. I mean, this whole thing is one big hatred, division, no mutual responsibility. They're taking over. It's 1984. The Jews are taking, I mean, the right-wing settler Jews are taking over our country. I'll tell you what bothers me more than the video. It's how, on the left, he's still being held up as a hero. Instead of being shamed by the left, instead of the left saying... It was wrong. We're taking it down. They're doubling down. Talk about hate speech. I've said this numerous times. The Gemara talks about why the Bet HaMikdash was destroyed. First Bet Hamikdash, the second Bet Hamikdash, and in the case of the second Bet Hamikdash, famously the Gemara talks about many things. The one that we hear about over and over again is Sinat Chinam. That there was a sin, we sinned, and the sin was that we hated one another without any reason, without cause. And so we were punished. And I I have in that regard said many times that it's not a sin and a punishment necessarily. It is a cause and effect. 
What you just heard is Sinar Chinam. Two parts of the Jewish people where one hates the other with such a strong passion. I don't know what he would be ready to do when push comes to shove. But he sees the other as the enemy. We have an enemy, a real enemy from outside. The Iranians want to kill this guy, Tomer Penis, and all the right-wing quote-unquote settlers that he hates so much and he wants to take the country back from. They don't care. (laughs) The bomb isn't going to escape him. An Arab who comes with a knife to kill a Jew wants to kill a Jew. But if we as Jews are not united, if we as Jews hate each other, then the result, the absolute result, is that the society can't survive. And then the society will fall apart. The Bet HaMikdash was destroyed. The Second Commonwealth, the entire Jewish community, was destroyed. We sometimes lose sight of that. We were thrown into exile. We no longer existed, even as a semi-free nation in the land of Israel. Because we just couldn't get along with each other. I don't know what one can do about it. I think it's important to point it out. It's important to know how they think. If possible, it's important to answer respectfully. But it causes me to shudder when I heard that video. And I just pray that we find some sanity. Here's Ariel Zilber with Rifainu Hashem. May God heal us all.
The great Ariel Zilber with Rufainu Hashem. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. I read a story. I don't know enough about it. So if you're listening out there in Australia, and I know we have at least one listener out in Australia, um, you are welcome to comment on the app for the next few minutes or... Um, you can shoot us an email, mayor at nachumsegel.com, mayor, M-E-I-R, at nachumsegel, S-E-G-A-L, dot com, and let me know if uh, we got the story right. So the story is that Josh Friedenberg, 47-year-old, child of Holocaust survivors, who has a close relationship to the Chabad community, who goes to shul on Shabbos, is now officially the Deputy Prime Minister of Australia and the Minister of Finance of the new government. Friedenberg, it says here, was sworn in wearing a kippah and holding a Tanakh. Now, usually they swear in on a Bible, and the Bible they swear in usually includes the Christian Bible, the Jewish Bible. This was a Tanakh. In fact, I saw a picture of it. It was an art scroll Tanakh with the green cover, if you know what I mean. He is the son of Professor Erica Strauss, who is a um, lecturer at the University of Melbourne. She was born in Hungary in 1943. 1950, she got out of there and went to Australia. She married Dr. Harry Friedenberg, who is a surgeon. In uh, local interviews, he spoke about the fact that his aunt, who went through Auschwitz, has a number tattooed on her arm. They sent their children, the couple sent their children to Jewish schools. And um, it's it's quite an amazing story. I mean, in America, we're sort of used to it. The fact that someone like Joe Lieberman, who's fully orthodox, could be running for vice president. Or that some of the leaders of uh, the administration, the current administration, are Orthodox Jews. Well, that the President of the United States has uh, Orthodox Jewish grandchildren, but in Australia, maybe one would find it unusual. I don't know anything about him other than what I just read to you. But um, I hope he's a good guy, and I hope uh, Australia does well, and as... An honorary Australian, as my mother was born in Perth, Australia, and is still to this very day an Australian citizen. I uh, I would love to feel proud of of that great country who has been in, in, in the main a supporter of Israel. Tablet Magazine points out something that I think so many of us thought about. The author who wrote this article, writes that growing up in Israel in the 1980s, you could only get Coca-Cola. Why? Because Pepsi was never served. 
because the company succumbed to the Arab League's boycott of Israel and did not make its goods available in the Jewish state. So he writes, absence made the heart grow fonder. Pepsi, we told each other in hushed voices over recess sometime in the fourth or fifth or sixth grade, must be so much better than Coke. Like all mythical creatures, it was comfortably both one thing and its diametrical opposite, sweet and not so sweet, bubblier and flatter, richer in sugar and somehow healthier. One lucky friend whisked away to London for a week one summer break, even brought back an empty can. He enjoyed while abroad, placing it on his desk the way big game hunters mount their trophies. Then came 1992, when following the Madrid Peace Conference, Pepsi magically appeared in Israel. To the surprise of no one who had ever sipped a Pepsi, it turned out that it was no big deal. The allure of the of the forbidden fruit, right? Maim gnuvim yimtaku. When that allure fo- fell away or wore off, most of us reached right back for our cokes, giving no more thought to the boycott and its impact on our lives. Well, that was just until last week. Learning that PepsiCo has agreed to purchase Israel SodaStream for $3.2 billion brought a huge smile to my face. And the irony is that SodaStream was a constant target of the BDS movement, which was, of course, the child, if you will, of the Arab boycott, and was hounded for years. Scarlett Johansson was ostracized for being the company's spokes- spokesperson. And in 2015, SodaStream was forced to shut down its factory in Mishor Adumim, which is beyond the quote-unquote green line, which the BDS hailed as a victory, but sh- but did little, but cost a few hundred Palestinians their well-paying jobs. Now, 26 years after its own experiment with economic censure failed spectacularly, Pepsi delivered another blow to the advocates of boycotting Israel by paying a mint for one of the companies. Ha! We've come full circle. Another useful reminder that ingenuity and industriousness will always triumph over the angry shouts of narrow-minded bigots who have nothing to offer the world but their impotent, malicious wrath. That, and some help from above, which we see every day in Israel. We're going to close out with... um, Words from the Slichot, which we begin, which the, the Sephardi have begun already, but the Ashkenazim will begin this coming Saturday night. Rachamana, Da'anei Aniye Anena, Kol Achai, off of their album, Bikarov. Before we do that, we say thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all your Facebook likes and comments. And thanks to the Nachum Siegel Network staff. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up! Immediately after us on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yoni Pollock with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports. And then Novik now with Jake Novik, TV news producer and editorial columnist who brings us his thoughts on stories of the day. And then the Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh no, they're just running in a different race. Rachamana Rachamana